Catch mode. Catch mode. Like a sesh mode. Hey, listen, everybody. Uh, Roman is in Seattle right now. Emerald City. City uh, rain, sidewalks, romance, love. You've got mail. Roman's there. All of the above. Sleepless in Seattle? He's probably yeah. not slept. Um, what? Why? I don't know, but he's there. Guess what he's watching? Dracula. Really? Oh. Yeah. The TV show he's or the, the movie with Tom Waits? Um, <laughs> not real. Tom Waits plays Renfield. <laughs> mm, and which one? Um, Bram Stoker's Dracula. With Gary Oldman as Dracula? I think you're thinking of Keanu Reeves. 100% not. I Keanu Reeves plays... Uh, Renfield. No. Renfield's a guy in the prison. Tom they Waits do eating look rats. similar. Motherfucker, Tom Waits they is in it. similar. Uh, I'm just hoping that some of your Tom Waits fan group friends uh, still listen to this podcast. They were all on board at the beginning. Because it's first it started as a Tom Waits podcast. Yeah. Fan cast, really. I didn't want to tell you, but... On Facebook, they've been calling you Chump Figley because you keep denying Tom Waits. Well, I'm a Tom Waits <laughs> denier. And to be frank, I I question whether or not he was ever here to begin with. To be Frank's wild years. That's a, that's a, never mind. That's a Tom Waits. Like I don't know. I'm, Start, glad, that, I'm glad this podcast isn't live. Started the group. <laughs> yeah. I know, Podcast episode 163. Django, don't you pretend like we didn't get gold out of that. I was gold. Uh, where every week uh, we get a whole bunch of comics from UPS, bring them to our comic shop that we run, own, love, sometimes spend the night in, and we come up to our Pap Cave in the Sky and record a podcast either related to or unrelated to the books, the store, or the comings and goings of our lives. I'm Jeff. Feels weird to be here. Haven't been here in an oasis of time. You're on vacation. Yes. But nothing can keep you away from the comic store, even a vacation. Even even if had I wanted it to. Yeah. I'm Django, and I've been Jeff this week. Oh. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. Not really. I haven't really done anything that you normally do. Yeah, you did a lot of Django things. Chaos. Charles. Charles. <laughs> and I'm Sarah, and I've been Django this week. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, no. my God. <laughs> I don't know if you have the gas production to be Django. <laughs> No, no, no offense, but who does? <laughs> no, um, I am the most recent addition here, so thank you for having me, you guys. Absolutely. Sarah, I guess people probably would have heard her because we did her pick of the top 10, top 5, yep. 2019 a couple of days ago. But, but what they don't know is that she's replacing Roman on every single episode, from starting now, now. Yeah. until forever. Because he is obsessed with Dracula. He's now. super into Dracula, and he's super into Seattle, the Emerald yeah. City, the Emerald Isle, uh, streets made of water. Mm-hmm. Oh. He almost wasn't going to go because of the snow, and then uh, he's not here, so I assume he's there. Yeah, or asleep. Ooh, or eating chips and salsa. Investigating mysteries in his own home. <laughs> Gosh. Where did that poop come from? What do you Who think? Who put that there? Think about, think about those moments in Roman's home where, like, something happens, and he's like, I got to go figure it out. Like, just think about the situations where Roman is the best detective around to solve the case. I love those points. I, can I do, too. That. It's happened yeah. here at the store before as well. Yeah, he's, he's a regular sleuth. Yeah. I feel like he would have a hat for it. Like a picture of 
you know, get detective He hat. certainly he has the pipe for yeah. it. He's got that, that uh, little Scottish beanie that he wears sometimes. He keeps trying to tell us it's not a MAGA hat. Yeah. Roman, it's not a MAGA hat, Statler. Uh, oh, my God. We're going to spoil some books this week. Oh, yeah. This week we're going to spoil uh, Jessica Jones' Blind Spot, number one. We're going to spoil Red Mother. The Red Mother. Red Mother. Red Mother. I can do it, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You just sort of kind pick of. Your, the tongue up and and say it underneath the tongue. Red Mother. Imaginary cotton balls under your tongue. Red Mother. Oh. Uh, number two, which we also <laughs> talked about on our YouTube show. Yeah? The Comics Place on YouTube. Uh, let's see. Jane Foster Valkyrie, number seven. Whoa. Five years, number seven. Whoa! Lucky Heavens number. to Betsy and the qu- many de- the oh. question many deaths of Vic Sage number two not seven not seven thought it was seven Des- the the question decidedly <clears throat> not seven I was going through comics today rearranging parts of the shop into genre poorly so far mm-hmm. and uh, I realized that there's a book called Two Sisters yeah there's a book called Two Brothers yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a book in the Dark Horse section called, f- like, Four Siblings or something like that. All all within spitting distance of each other. If you could spit on one of them, you could spit on all of them. So what you're telling me is that if you have a penchant for spitting and uh-huh. are also from a large family, yep. the Dark Horse section is for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're experts at multiple siblings. They're good at it. And so are you, Django, <laughs> oldest of four. Jessica Jones, only child as far as I know. But now that we've said that, I feel like that's an upcoming comic storyline. You heard it here first. That Jessica Jeff Jones just created has a Jessica's sister. And that's happening. Uh, adopted brother-in-law. J- Jeff Jones. Okay. That's a customer. Jeffica, uh, Jeffica Jones. A family member. All right, Jessica Jones, Blind Spot, number one. That was really not one of our best ones. But this one is written by Kelly Thompson. And oh, no. Oh, no. Not my turn. The last time I tried to pronounce his name was on the YouTube channel, and I failed. Matia de Iulis. Um, sure. Yeah, thank it's you. It's canon now. Got it. You're creating characters, I'm naming people. Not yeah. even going to try to pronounce it. Yeah, well, Accent will just fortunately, it. Jeff's on the case. <laughs> What did the two of you think about this book? It's Jessica Jones, and it's not Gre- or it's not Brian Bendis writing it. Has anyone been fans of the previous Bendis Elias stuff in the past? How do we feel about it going to new hands? I love the old stuff. Yeah, and I thought this was really good too. Yeah, yeah, and I love too that um, he specifically asked her to take it over. So <laughs> I feel like that it's like the passing the torch. That's so. like a best it's case okay scenario. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, and what I think is pretty cool about this particular series is I like this art, I think, more than the Michael Gatos art from Alias, which is very good, but a pretty different tone, and I actually like hmm. like the coloring of this and that it's a little bit, uh, I guess, like clearer to see what's going. I guess I think of Michael Gatos as sort of like a Alex Maleev light or something. A little muddier, yeah. a little, well, a little more noir than this. But I think a little less room for physical expression. Yeah. Like mm. facial expression, and what I particularly liked in, in this particular issue was how much like evoking and facial expression there was in this. Like even on that first page, like the the several emotions that Jessica goes through in those four horizontal panels are pretty rad and relatively subtle. Like between images two and three, yeah, 
Big fan. Yeah. The lighting in this, I think you mentioned that on the YouTube yeah, show. The lighting in this is awesome. I was really impressed with that, with like all the detail with the blinds and mm-hmm. everything. My, I think my favorite trick in this was the Polaroid, like the black and white Polaroid overlays of the detectives who come to interrogate her. very Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Really yeah. liked it. Yeah. Uh, and, and like the way they did that in the Sherlock Holmes and, and in Psych. Like they do a similar thing in Psych where he like zooms in and everything turns black and white and something pops out. Um, I thought that this was a really interesting way to do it in the comic where they just kind of highlight an area and it says shaving Nick on his neck and it says neck tattoo. Yeah. And, and she's like extrapolating things about their character from these things that she's noticing. Um, it made me realize that I don't notice things <laughs> and I wanted to notice things better. Yeah, I think, gosh, Jessica Jones, like, post-television series, I think um, you probably could have kind of rolled the dice on what the next phase of this character was going to be like. Yeah. And to sort of continually discover new parts of this character. And in this issue, she's getting framed for a crime as she walks into her office and there's a she finds a dead body there. And the way that they start laying out this mystery, which is a pretty cool mystery, they don't give it to you all at once, but... It's the body of somebody she previously had a case with, and yeah. it never was resolved. Um, th- just just a cool amount of room for like previous stuff from Jessica Jones present in this, and it made me. Pr- like, I don't think I ever finished all the Elias stuff. I like the. It almost feels like it makes her more, even though she obviously is a very independent character. It makes her seem more independent. That the story is more about her and not so much with her and the Purple Man. Right. You know. I really like the the uh cliffhanger i thought that was a really solid yeah like, i i read that and i was like shit what's next how do you like where how do going? you keep going where from going there from there yeah. yeah yeah and just like the framing of her body <laughs> laying next to the line of the other body and yeah was it orchestrated and what um sarah yes you get to give out ratings but more importantly you get to now have your own column in the depth charts the data chart the andrew carlson friend of the show oh plots Andrew, that's Sarah with an H. Yes, uh, yes. Sarah Jackson. Sarah. With an H. Sarah. 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 <laughs> One to ten, whatever you believe that scale to mean and where your truth lies, uh, Jessica Jones, what do you got? Um, You know, I thought about this on uh-huh. the way over. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I have to rate things now uh-huh. when I read them. I have to like, and keep it's that like in the back of my mind. Flag in the sand, like staking your claim to it. Yeah. If you waffle at all, people will, you know take issue with it they'll come in here they'll complain yeah you can't change your score that's the rigidity of it is astounding a lot of pressure yeah but i'm okay with it and what? i'm gonna give it an eight all right so i would say i i really liked it i really like uh jessica jones i like this character a lot it was really funny actually i i told colette i was like i had no idea about any of the past stuff with her being referenced to Jessica Jones. And I was mm. like, I read Jessica Jones and it reminded me of a lot of you. <laughs> and she just started laughing. <laughs> I, was, I was there. I think sometimes she thinks she is Jessica Jones. I think Jones. a lot of the time she thinks that she is Jessica <laughs> yeah. Jones. Yeah. And who's to say? She For might sure. be. For sure. That's <laughs> yeah. true. Um, but yeah, I like this character. I like she's super badass and I really like the the art in it. I love the little Matt Murdock appearance in it. Oh yeah. Um, I'm really curious awesome. to see what happens. Yeah, so I would I would go with an eight for Jessica Jones. Jung Hole, I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. Although somebody could probably convince me it was an eight. Uh, one disappointing thing that I found out today Uh-oh. is mm. that this has already been collected in trade. Oh my oh, god, really? is this the this rum is... that was collected in trade? What? Yeah, 
Okay, because I remember on the video show, I said this is the second one they've done because I remember the, it all being released in trade already. Yeah, this has been a wild ride in wow. my understanding of the order of reading these new Jessica that Jones books. That is a bit of a bummer because, like, yeah. we could all just go get the trade now. What? Why are the other issues coming out months at a time? I think because not everybody wants trades. Yeah, I agree. You know? Like, that trade would wither on the shelf if it wasn't for... For this. But it came out months ago. Uh, <laughs> I will also give it a 7.5. On the topic of Red Mother. Bat, and on the, sorry, Ooh. I apologize. On the topic of Red Mother. Um, <laughs> gosh. This book's creepy. Boom Studios, Jeremy Hahn, Danny Luckert, Red Mother. Sarah, what did you think of Red Mother? How did you feel about the first issue? So the first issue, I, I did like the first issue, but I also felt like it didn't give us a ton. You know, mm-hmm. like it was kind of obviously it was setting it up. Um, so I liked that this one kind of gave us some more story a little bit. The art, I really like how it switches to the red when she's freaking out and like she uh, she's looking at her, her one eye. Um, this one, I liked that we did get a little bit more of the story, but it was kind of in a subtle way, like with the art. Uh, like there's the part here and she's running out of the subway and then we see... In the background, we, like, see this lady, like, but we only see it for, like, a few panels. Or, um, you know, then we get, like, the, the story with her boyfriend's brother, mm-hmm. you know, and we kind of get more set up with that. So I did like that a little bit more in this. But I'm, I feel like it still is not enough. Like, I'm still wanting to know more about I thought it was really interesting, like, the type of information we got about her from this issue compared to her other – like, the first issue – um, like Django and I on the YouTube video were talking about what we liked more and I think I liked the first one a little bit more and he was saying he thought he liked the second one a little bit more and it's weird we, I think we find a little bit more about like the consistency of her life and mm-hmm. endearing personality traits in this one but but the first issue to me painted a little bit more of like the strength and independence of that character yeah. uh, like given how she recovered from the, the fight or like yeah, yeah. The, the attack or even like the initial conversation with her and her boyfriend which I thought I was just like she is such a badass and this one there wasn't as much like exposition about her but she was still very clearly a badass but it it was a different type of like filling in the color of of who this character is so i think it's really interesting his ability to do that in a sort of uh varied way Mm -hmm. i think that like because she was such a badass in the first issue and she's still super strong in this issue but you can kind of see cracks forming like she's she's losing her shit slowly but surely throughout this issue until yeah. she's like you know almost having a full on panic attack. I thought that was you know I I, I like the pacing of this issue a whole lot, and I I really liked just like comics that can give you or almost give you a jump scare, and this one was approaching that. Like I get I got butterflies in my stomach when I saw that smiling weirdo. I did like um speaking of fa- uh, facial expressions, like towards the end, and she's uh, trying to talk to her friend and then her fr- it goes to voicemail and she like hears the doorbell and she just like has that face of annoyance or she's like what the uh. fuck is that like <laughs> leave me alone and then she goes up to get it and then i i really like this part too um because i think part of it is obviously she's dealing with like some ptsd with she just went through this traumatic event and then um she's trying to figure it out and she looks out the little uh the the door thing, you know, the, the little door peeper thing, and she sees it, and then it turns red for a second, and she's like, ah, oh, just stop it, just stop. Yeah. And then yeah. she looks again, and it's clear again. 
so I, I really like it's like this just this small little frame that I thought really kind of speaks to her character a lot. And then, of course, the heart-shaped box yes, reference at the end. That's a, that's a Nirvana mm. uh, ping there. I, right? I, I love that you brought that out. Django, uh, I didn't understand why you flipped that book around, but now I'm seeing that you've got the cover of Dead Eyes number four and the panels that Sarah was just referencing of looking through a door hole. And you do love a forced perspective, uh, you know, sort of fisheye lens shot. Yeah, that cover of Dead Eyes number four, it took me like a day and a half to realize it. And when I did realize what it was, it's just like – dead eyes with a shotgun through a peephole and he's all distorted i i started laughing out loud at home mm. the end buck shots <laughs> um i give red mother number two a seven i think i gave the first one a little like a 7.5 or an eight i give it a seven two i don't know what i gave the other one maybe it was it higher was but i feel like i like this one more. was here and then the podcast got deleted oh, so i gave so, it just so a shade dawn. under so it uh it didn't actually ever go up so there's no numbers congratulations me love it Sarah? I would also give it a seven. Yeah. Yeah. Number one score? Mm, number one. Uh, maybe I'd also give that a seven, maybe like a 6.5. Given that Sarah Jackson back catalog of scores, a little bit of real estate, you know? Like yeah, this yeah. way. Retroactive score. It's Randrew Carlson. Yeah, good luck fitting that into your spreadsheet, buddy. Well, Phil's spreadsheet, really. Phil's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's an Excel document that's passed on from, you Send know. it over over Dropbox. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm mostly with Red Mother. I'm, I'm still curious as to where the story's going to go. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, the main thing with it. Sarah, I'm pretty excited because you brought Valkyrie number seven to the table. I and did. I think I'm seeing Cardiac on the cover. Yeah. Who I remember being very young and collecting a lot of Cardiac issues because mm-hmm. he was around at the appearance of Carnage. Mm-hmm. For the Spider Man, the first appearances of Carnage were Cardiac covers. <laughs> so get my get my cardiac fix for me please get your heart bumping exactly <laughs> <laughs> okay so um that was very good english work oh thank you the, the 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 pun many, there very ma- good many many thank you <laughs> <laughs> the new arc started with issue six so it's like uh this is the second issue of the new arc for that and it's i have been really enjoying it it's probably one of my favorite ones that's been coming out right now um so yeah, Cardiac is one of the team. Oh, He's only it's a one team? of the team, and it's a team of doctors. Hell yeah, they're all doctors. Okay. So Valkyrie, you know Jane Foster, um, is the last Valkyrie, and she is, um, uh, you know she did the whole thing. The one through five was the whole thing with like, um, the bullseye and uh, all that. And so this one is in, uh, she went and was talking to. Uh, Stephen Strange, and he was like, "Hey, come and come and help me out. Something weird's going on with with death." Hey, Steve. Hey, Steve Strange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they assembled this team of superhero doctors. So it's yeah, it's a uh, Jane Foster, Stephen Strange, Cardiac, uh, Mannequin, and then I, I I hate pronouncing things. So. Faza Hussein. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, Big part of the team. Yeah. So that's... Big backstory. Yes. So that's the whole group. And um, they are on a mission to uh, see what's wrong with death. Because Stephen Strange had this whole... He saw that death is dying. So is it like the personification of death from like the Thanos? Yeah. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. So it's, it's basically... Um, they go... And it's, it's very you know marvel where it's like it's it's not like the real world it's like this spiritual world like they can still die there but it's like they go through this portal and um 
they um, encounter, uh, you know, they have a uh, instance of people, things are trying to attack them and um, they, they finally make their way and then they see death, like a, they call it the death of death and it's hovering and that's where we ended at six. So then seven starts with um, the death of death is just waiting there. It's just hovering above this like where death is, like death is living. And they, it's one of those things where they can't, you can't wrap really your mind around it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just kind of manifests to you in the way that you, their brains understand, mm-hmm. um, and which is a skeleton, um, which is very deathy. Deathy. It's very classic. Death very, classicalism, right yes. there. That's a Roman Statler would approve of the classical <laughs> nature with which death is portrayed. Um, so yeah, so they go, uh, and it's not fighting them. So they are like, well, I guess we'll just go in and see what's going on. So they they all go in, and um, they encounter uh, uh, Sharon. Yeah, the boatman. Um, and for the, you know, it's usually it's for the river sticks, right? But in right. this, it's like this weird, gross pus river. It's oh. the river it's pus. It's disgusting. Gross, yeah. Yes. I'm in. But then Valkyrie. Yeah, that was all Jenga needed. <laughs> <laughs> but then Valkyrie uses her true sight and she sees it's the art's really cool. She sees it's like a virus. The art at the very, very end. I didn't read this. It's really good, and I really, I really like the way that the with the art and how they like kind of they made it like all separated, and I don't know. It's just it's really cool, and then. Yeah, and so she sees her uses her true sight, and she sees that it's a virus. Where in the sixth one, um, she kind of related the things attacking her to like ant to be like antibodies. So it, it's these it's these doctors going to to kind of cure death. It's kind of I don't know. It's just really cool. Al Ewing is like consistently able to come oh. up with some of the largest uh, like cool science fiction or like fantasy extension ideas. Like his run on Immortal Hulk has been incredible. Like. His Ultimates run is incredible. Like he consistently thinks of things in like a, a metaphorical, larger way, which yeah. that seems like yeah. totally in line with. Um, so, what do you give it? Um, I would probably give it a nine point five. I really, really, yeah. really, really, really like this one. I think it really speaks to like, um, you know, I really enjoy this kind of writing. I think that it really is kind of what makes us feel connected as humans you know it's like art makes us feel not so alone things that yeah. we've all experienced so does night nurse have powers um no why is she there because she just wants to be there okay so She's it like they put out a call and yeah. all the marvel okay. docs all right and they were like like in the sixth one they were like oh night nurse like you know, you sh- you it's going to be dangerous and she's like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm, I'm night, night nurse. nurse. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what Roman's thinking of this series as well cuz like he I know he loves the doctor characters. He loves Al Ewing. Like that's all very in line with some Roman stuff as well. I'm only 2 issues behind on oh, it. You're now close, I'm then. bummed. Cuz flipping through this not yeah. only cardiac looking cool makes me want to <laughs> read it. <laughs> but he does. Do. And then Django, like the big sleeper thing this week, you've made me sit down spontaneously to read Five Years Number Seven by Terry Moore. Everything by Terry Moore. Terry Moore, man. That first issue of Five Years made me feel weird and scared and like there was an end to the world. And then after that, it's kind of become just kind of a spy drama that's beautiful, but very different than the than the first scary issue talking about the the bomb that was going to blow everything up. Um, this one just has some of the most gorgeous snow art since the last time Terry Moore drew <laughs> snow really in pretty. Russia. 
And, uh, you know, it follows Kachu going to Russia to save her friends and getting pushed out of a seven-story window and kind of dying, having a reunion with a character who I don't know anything about, but I think uh, Strangers in Paradise people will connect with. And then coming back to life and, and having a little more of a chase scene in the snow with... Man, this guy is just so good at making his his drawings act, uh, and and so good at drawing every single individual piece of snow. I read it in like three minutes, and then realized that I hadn't given that comic its due, and went back and reread it, and liked it even more the second time. He did like a long interview like a year ago that I think we both listened to it's on iFanboy. Yeah, and yeah. I'm curious like what his cartooning background was to like gotten to this point because he's clearly got like some influence of like the popular like 80s and 90s comic book art but it's also still like very will eisnery and i mean not with like words incorporated into the backgrounds but in terms of like awareness of physical form and where they are in a physical place and moving through it and environments and and panel design which i think is something that you can take from Will Eisner, even if, even if you're not like, I don't think he had great paneling, but he had great structure on his pages that gave panels without panels, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I don't know. Terry Moore is one of my most respected people in comic books. And like, this does kind of my favorite thing about him, which is just leads you through a moment, but through black and white comics. And I miss that whole like black and white, boom in the 80s of comic books yeah. and there's not much of it left i love a good black and white comic yeah they're absolutely gorgeous when done correctly and his i never finished strangers in paradise but it's hugely long um but yeah these are all characters from that and five years has linked up you know strangers in paradise rachel rising echo like all of the books that yeah. it has done and i think being able to sort of cohesify your entire life's work is really really cool i i like I'm, I'm very, very into his ability to kind of put a period to what he's done for the last, like, 25 years. And this one, I actually, I haven't read the other ones. I just read this one, mm-hmm. number seven. How did I, it feel? How it, did it, how was it? Is this your first Terry Moore comic? Yeah. And cool. it was, I thought it was really interesting. Like, that's the thing. It's like, it was so, I really, I think, I was so, I'm so impressed when people, when it's not, like, a lot you know it's like it's the black and white and then it's just like very simple dialogue but it it's so good you know like it makes me so interested yeah. still um did you feel lost at all just jumping in um 25 not, years the after only the thing, first issue the <laughs> only thing i felt a little lost about was the kachu thing mm-hmm. i didn't realize that was her name oh yeah i was like is that is like a thing that he says it's yeah. like a saying that's like a little cute <laughs> saying that they have. yeah yeah it was like but then it was like oh that's her name but no i thought that it was it was really interesting um and it really, for just never having really read of it, any of it, it made me really interested to read more. Like this, this ma, this ma Malaya, is that how you say it? Character. I'm like, who is that? I want to know who that is. Yeah, that's from Rachel Rising, I think. Yeah, yeah. it was like the. Which is like a supernatural horror book that was called Rachel Rising. And just like this one panel here, and she's just in there in the snow, Mm -hmm. and she just has her hand out. And it's so simple and so good. I'm like, oh, that's creepy. I love it. Like, I want to know who she is. Who is she? And I love his written sound effects, of which there are many in this issue. We just like the giant gasp that's there. Mm -hmm. Like, lettering within comics is like a super difficult thing. And, you know, like cartoonists 
are the ones that like do their own lettering and it's just such a an overlooked piece of comic booking that takes so much care and so much work. Yeah. I kind of wonder like as Terry Moore is drawing these things, does he at what point does he realize that these two pages need to be three super tall skinny vertical panels each? And when does he go like, okay, I'm going to put that her waking up from this angle with a big old gasp at the top of this page because mm-hmm. those those there's so many things in this that make me think that's a eureka moment if, if i were designing this page when i figured that out everything else would fall together and i wonder if he's just like doing that as part of the flow or if he's you know trying to crack the way a page is going to work yeah but it's different for like if some if an artist is given a script versus if the person is writing it because i bet yeah. an amount of visual representation goes into like scripting it yeah um well i just hope that when he finishes five years and the the theta bomb or whatever goes off and kills everybody in his creative universe i hope he doesn't like go get a job at home depot that's my thing is i just hope terry moore is making a lifestyle (laughs) with this book like because it's been hit or miss like it it just barely makes enough for him to be able to make a living making these comics well how many of these do we sell less than 10 yeah but like five or six probably yeah i think it's like eight i think we order like eight i mean that's that's not bad if you're not paying an inker and you're not paying a letterer and you're doing all your own cover design and self-publishing everything like if you had if you had to have your publisher and everybody else take a slice out it would probably not be sustainable but you know he he might be he might be a, a hundred air Oh my oh, God, wow. that's true. He might make hundreds of dollars in a given yeah. week. Go support him. Come Every- support him. Buy buy his books. Buy his, do whatever you got to do to pay this guy. Cause- Actually, on this podcast, we've talked quite a bit about like our deep respect for his art. So if if you are listening at this point and have not seen Terry Moore's art, like you should go in and again, yeah, support him by buying some of his early work because it's or even just jumping in like everyone on the podcast pretty much at this point has read some amount of five years and liked it and no yeah. one has read all of the stuff leading up to it yeah. well, i do feel like with this one too number seven is that i i mean i want to read like the few issues before this but i feel like i don't necessarily need to like right. I, I, I could meal. i could right. yeah i could just keep going from this spot and be satisfied and it's so. a full meal Django, that you said took you two minutes to get through which is also pretty astounding give it a nine and a half right like it's pretty incredible yeah. to be able to get that much like <clears throat> conclusive experience out of something that didn't take any like oh, any yeah. amount of time to get through yeah for sure uh i would i would give it like a nine yeah i think roman would give it a 10 no come on yeah, all yeah. emerald city you're right. gooey duck you're right you're right you're right you're right <laughs> You're right. He's he's probably awake down there. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would also give this a nine. I really really liked it and I thought it was really really beautiful. So, and I really want to find out what happens next. So that's always one thing I really judge comics on is, is how much I'm invested in the story and how much I want to keep reading it. And that's a really like a big part of like yeah. this medium at this point is like, how does a comic book make a person want to continue like reading it? Reading it, yeah. And if, and if it doesn't do it, then it's not, not going to sustain itself. That's not maximizing yep. the medium. Django, did you read, and Sarah as well, but Django, did you read the question? Because it has one of our favorite people in the entire world, Bill Sienkiewicz, is attached to it. That's pronounced Sienkiewicz? Yeah. Sin- oh. Sienkiewicz? I Sin- thought it was Sienkiewicz, is it? That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Um, yeah, I absolutely read this. And, and so then I'm also then super curious, Sarah. Yes. I don't know if That's Bill Sienkiewicz is one of your most favorite artists, but I think that he's a pretty like 
acquired taste. So I'm very curious how you felt about the inks in this issue. I say that this is probably my favorite one this week as far as art goes. Yeah, I love the art in it. I thought it was amazing. And are you uh, previously a Sienkiewicz or Dennis Cowan fan? Um, n- not really. Sienkiewicz okay. doesn't do also a ton of stuff in the last like so, ten years. So one thing too is I know like with you know with working here for the past couple of just the past two ish months is that like I've always been like oh yeah like I read a lot of comic books and then I I started working here I'm like oh my god <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's so many comic books to read it's fucking exhausting <laughs> yeah so I'm like I um I. I'm not familiar with his work before this, but it's also DC. I'm not a huge DC person, which I'm becoming more of one. He's he's been just like a gun for hire for years. Yeah, he did a a really important Electra series early on with with Frank Frank Miller. Miller. That was kind of his turning point. Run okay, like the Demon Bear Saga is all his. Oh, okay, that's him. And he was he's a classically trained artist who like wanted to bring classical art to comic books and holy shit he do he's surely yeah, holy this shit is he amazing do. what's incredible about him so actually as i was reading this i was excited to hear your thoughts on it because i probably i had kind of assumed given what you have read that maybe you hadn't gotten much of him in there and he is like just a weird artist kind of like jack kirby kind of like other artists like for me it took a long time of reading his stuff to like actually really like it um but what i loved so much about this issue is that has the the sort of layouts at the back were pencil pages by dennis cowan and then inks so cool and i was sort of struck by what an amazing working relationship this is because dennis cowan is able to do very quick freehand art like there's mm-hmm. definitely vanishing points and everything in it, but he doesn't have to spend a lot of time being detailed because Bill Sienkiewicz is going to fuck it up. Like yeah. he's going to make it look <laughs> yeah. like something very, very different. And it's not as involved for Sienkiewicz as needing to do all of the work for it. So it just made me think about like the original question run that they would have done stuff together on and what a, like a positive working relationship. I feel like these two have aside from that, how did everyone feel about this coming out of the first issue what, where where were we on that front aside from the art? So I feel like with the first one, um, I was not super familiar with the character, but I really felt like it was pretty accessible, you know, for somebody who is not familiar with, you know, like I was like, oh, okay, I, I get what's going on, and I really enjoyed the story. And uh, this one, I liked. It felt, but it felt like this one felt like a standalone issue. Like it didn't to me really feel like a continuation of the first issue like i get it because it's oh it's the deaths of vic sage right so it's it's um maybe not supposed to be cohesive but it it didn't feel like it like it felt like he was in oh yeah he's seeing all these dreams he's seeing all these these different deaths that he's lived um so it's just really interesting it almost feels anthological yeah, and it's only going to be three issues. Yeah. So and I'm sure curious. that's what I was curious yeah. in this is, is the final one, the next one. I don't know how they're going to wrap this up. Yeah, something like, it's like the, what was the point? Like you had the whole thing with the first one with like the crime guy and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, so this is that was one thing. And then like this is this one. And the next one looks like, like it's. What's going to be the third like, one? Well, it's crime noir. Right, and I guess like it makes hard-boiled. sense. Hard-boiled. This is yeah. Nathaniel Dusk which, looking out the window, which is not here. a bad thing. I'm not complaining. No, just, but that's like, like kind of how I felt. So I was like, oh, this is. It feels like its own standalone right. thing. And yeah. in the first issue, we did see him running into the mask that had been shot. So like, they find that mask. So I had the same process of like, are we just going to be experiencing a bunch of lives, and this will be more than three issues? And we still didn't really get this tied into why 
this life is related to that previous life. Yeah. But we but he did cross into the same pit. Right. And yeah, we, the, like the pit, the, the pit's there. Yeah. So like. This is telling you the mis- this, this solves the mystery of how some of those bodies got there. Did it right? Did it make you think that what happened at the first issue, then something happened and he was taken back to the Western thing that then led up to him being the dead body that he had seen before? Like I don't did know. you get any this, idea of like chronology in there? This is kind of a thing that I feel like Jeff Lemire has done before where he's got like people kind of living in loops until they end up you know, meeting up it. with themselves or something. And I can't, I couldn't tell you exactly what it was that he wrote that made me feel like this. It might've been a black hammer story or something, but yeah, I don't know. I, I am not clear on whether he's living these lives or if it's somebody else. I was also kind of confused by the Victor Zaz. I'm still very confused by I, that. I can explain yeah. it. Okay. You can. Yeah. Okay. So there's a Batman bad guy named Victor Zaz. Zaz. Right. Okay. right. It's spelled different. Oh. So this guy's name happens to be Vic Sage, Victor Sage, Victor Zaz Sage, spelled differently than Victor Zaz, the bad guy in Batman. Okay. So I think that that's just an unfortunate coincidence somewhere in canon where those guys had very similar okay. middle name and last name. It's definitely a black label book. Mm-hmm. It's got some very adult stuff that goes on, things that you... Like stuff that made me kind of uncomfortable. The whole racial stuff that happens in the middle, I liked mm. a lot. Like, yeah. like the amount of racism in the encounters, and then like the way that the town turns on them and him for helping a person of color. Like all of that, I thought was like depicted shades of subtlety within the characters that I liked mm-hmm. a lot. So actually, and I was reading this, um, my roommate was playing red dead redemption oh nice (laughs) while i was reading it (laughs) i was like oh it's very appropriate (laughs) yeah that soundtrack would have been very good while reading yeah it was it was good i was like wow i'm in the wild west right now i am yeah i'm a sucker for good good westerns and this was a good western i hope i hope that it all like makes a lot of sense at the end because i think that this would be a good way of being like you don't know the question but you're interested here have this yeah and this issue while i liked it a lot made me feel it was less that story than I did out of the first issue, but still a really cool story. Yeah. We'll see. I yeah. mean, when was the last time Jeff Lemire bummed you out with an ending? You know, like sometimes yeah. his lead up isn't... What do you mean, like bummed me out, like being disappointed or made me sad? Oh, because no, he always makes you sad. sad. But <laughs> but like, you know, uh, Scott Snyder will write a great story and then three issues from the end, you're like, well, that was a good ride, buddy. Yeah. Thanks for... Thanks for everything up till now. And then it just kind of peters out usually. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there, there are a lot of creators that can start a good thing or run a good middle part and just kind of just don't have the nice bow to wrap, to wrap things up in. And I've never really had that feeling with Jeff Lemire. Sometimes it feels like there's more story that he could tell, but when he, when he ends it prematurely, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, that's life kind yeah. of statement rather than, well, I didn't know really what to do with uh, Commissioner Gordon in a robot suit. Sorry, <laughs> kids. <laughs> so what scores would you guys give it? I feel like the story I would give like maybe a seven, but the art I would give a nine. Cool. So I would that's maybe awesome kind of even it out to about an eight. I'm giving an eight and a half and at least one tenth of one point for the way that they used the glossiness on the cover of the B cover. 
I just I, like the, like I love Frank the B quietly. cover in this one. Oh, I, I like the B cover a lot. It's Eduardo Riso yeah. drawing the question is just a straight up cowboy and he's got like glossy belt. Like it's yeah, it's very sparse gloss. I spent the whole time uh with the A cover and it is not as good. Mm-mm. Not but as it's, good. It's it's almost the same as the A cover of number one, yeah. but he's got a cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. I hope that the next cover isn't him in like a fedora. I will agree with Sarah and also <laughs> give this an eight. Um, and Sarah, yes. listen, we already know, but let's, before we go into buckshots and you have your inaugural buckshot, oh. please tell people a little bit where you're from. Oh. You work here at the shop. You moved to Bellingham. Mm-hmm. When you got into comics, well, I'll break these up into okay. smaller ones so it's okay. easy. Where are you from? Um, I'm originally from uh, upstate New York. Uh, fuck yes. Yeah, fuck yes. It's a very small town. Um... The closest big city is about 40 miles away is Syracuse. I always just say I'm from Syracuse, okay. even though I'm not actually from Syracuse. <laughs> I make a similar but lie myself. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm from Fulton, New York. And they're like, where? And I'm like, Syracuse. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, um, yeah, up, very upstate. Uh, I moved here about four and a half years ago. Um, I, I have some family who lives out here, and I always really – I visited, and I always really, really liked it. So I just moved here. How so. far did you have to travel to get – whatever nerd you were into when you were young mm-hmm. like for me i had to drive an hour and a half to find like any anime or any type of comics because it was this tiny little town like mm-hmm. what was your what was the thing that got you to like find a thing that maybe you knew wasn't necessarily the most popular thing and so, you liked it <laughs> yeah so i uh I guess, like, as far as comics go, the very first comics I ever started reading were Archie comics. And oh, that was yeah. just because I was at the local Kmart. And my mom would let me, when we'd go there, every once in a while, she'd let me grab an, a double digest from the candy section. Oh. So that's why I loved my Archie comics. Um, the the closest comic shop to us is uh, in a town called Oswego. And it's actually just called the comic, sh- uh, the comic shop. That's why sometimes here. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you guys are the comics place. But you, sometimes you might hear me say the comic, the comic shop, shop because that's what I grew up going to the comic shop and um that is about 20-ish minutes away from from my town um but I grew up kind of in a situation where I wasn't super allowed to allowed to read a lot of stuff um we weren't I was I wasn't always able to go to another town pretty Mm -hmm. fairly easily so my my brother and I, I grew up in a neighborhood though with a lot of kids in it so I did have some neighbors uh the neighborhood kids who did have a few comics so I remember reading some Batman comics, okay. you know, like going over to the the Austin's house and hanging out with my brother and I. My, bro- my brother's about a year and a half younger than me. So um, he and I grew up kind of, uh, re- you know, reading Archie and reading our neighbor's comics, whatever we could kind of get our hands on, and then also watching a lot of the cartoons. Okay. That was actually where I kind of first got introduced mostly to X-Men and um, Spider-Man and you know all of that was actually through the cartoons that we would watch so you said you weren't in a situation where you were super able to get your hands on a lot of this type of stuff right was there like a forbidden fruit when you were young that you engaged in in some way that you're like (laughs) like i remember being young and like my parents were pretty chill with everything but i remember like one time everyone was up decorating the christmas tree and i was like i'm downstairs watching south park and i'm nine (laughs) (laughs) i am am bad and this is good oh yeah did you have a like what type of thing was the thing that you could like sometimes get at that you were secretive about it but you like fed your 
So, <laughs> so I think those probably um, would be reading the neighborhood kids comics secretly. Yeah. Like they had the Batman comics and I've it has violence in it. Yeah. You know. So cool I remember costume. going Edgy. over to we had these neighbors, Michael and Tyler Austin. Fuck, were our, Michael and Tyler. Michael had the and best Tyler Austin. They were right. Yeah, they were in our our <laughs> our duplex. Do you uh, remember any of those covers or any of those? Because like no, yeah, one of I can find real. it. One not of the really. joys <laughs> of my life at this point has been like remembering vague images from covers when I was like four in California being Django it's like something scary Robin's like turning into bones like what is it and he's like oh that's 533 I, I remember a lot of like like I mean, I mean it's Batman I remember a lot of like stuff being against like a night sky sure like that's oh, like that a, one yeah, yeah he's got oh, yeah, that Django's one, got <laughs> that got one. yeah um so <laughs> yeah so I I would do that. And I also, another thing was that I got into a lot of uh, fantasy stuff too. Like I would read um, a lot of books. Uh, our library had a lot of mm. books and um, they had a few comic books. And so my mom sometimes would either just drop me off at the library or my brother and I, we would just walk there, you know, and it's free. Library's right. free. So we would just, I remember. And the, your parents don't know what you're reading. Though. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I just kind of hang out at the library for a few hours and read, you know, I'd read Narnia or I'd read, uh, read some comic books and whatever kind of, which is kind of like whatever I could kind of get my hands on kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was a little bit older, um, I was in high school and I was working. So I was able to afford things. I was able to pay for things. And I had friends who had cars. Yeah. So that was when I finally started going over to, the comic shop over oh. in Oswego. Cars where you could yeah. keep a short box worth of comics. Yeah. yeah. Secret <laughs> so I had, uh, I had uh, two comic friends, um, Rob and Nick, who I sometimes still talk to Nick once in a Sweet while. Sweet Batman hookups yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we would drive to the comics uh, comic shop and, um, you know, I'd be able to, I'd be able to buy some comics or uh, borrow some from friends and so that was it was high school i think was when i really started getting into actually like reading stuff um that i like specifically picked out that i wanted to read so sorry Jane. well i remember being like 11 12 13 when we were on the road and it was always like a jackpot when we would go to somebody's house and they had an older brother because the <laughs> older brother had porn Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't ever experience that, you know, before eighteen. Sure. Um, the best part of the porn, though, for me, like, oh God, Django, mm-hmm. please tell me about the best part let of me, the okay. porn. Let me, let me for tell you, because like, I didn't the know this is how this podcast pictures, is uh, always. <laughs> pictures of naked ladies was pretty rad. Pretty porn-tastic. But I always flipped to the comic strips that were in them, mm. like, like Penthouse had comic strips and i loved mm-hmm. reading those and they like they were full of boobs and stuff too but like to 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 be a kid hitting the jackpot with a, a porno magazine and then prefer like i wouldn't even say preferring but definitely looking for the drawings growing and up the, the, the my comics entire cartoons. life newspapers yeah. magazines everything that's the all comic strips yeah 100 yeah. so sarah yeah. um so your experience might have been different than mine. So I definitely very different nerdy. than mine. <laughs> what were your favorite penthouse comics? <laughs> um, but so I was very very into comics growing up for a long time, and then like around junior high through high school, I was very into like music stuff. And then I went to college mm-hmm. and got very back back into comics. It was always a thing that I would say I liked, but I wasn't like reading them. Um, and that was when I started coming to the comic shop here. 
So I'm curious, do you have like a comic book or a graphic novel or a series that got you to start like going to a shop again? Or you're saying as a high schooler, you mm -hmm. kind of got into it heavily. So we've only known you out here on the West Coast as somebody who's into it. But do you have something that like kind of kicked it into high gear for you? Hmm. Um, that's a great question. For so... me, it was Neil Gaiman. I was using Stumble Upon. Do you remember Stumble Upon? Mm -hmm. We're around the same age. <laughs> yeah. So that immediately dates the moment because there was like a year Stumble Upon was being used. But oh, I was doing man. Stumble Upon. I found a, like a New York Times article that was saying Neil Gaiman was writing an issue that was the funeral for Batman because Batman had just been killed. Mm -hmm. And that was a part of Grant Morrison's Batman thing. So I was like, I got to go find out what happened with Batman. And that was what made me like go in and courageously start talking to the people at the comic shop. Is there a similar thing for you? Yeah, I think that... Um for me so like I said my 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 brother he's a year and a half younger um and he uh read a lot of stuff and he was like oh you have to get um you have to get you know Marvel stuff and we we would always we would always watch Marvel stuff together and he really liked Marvel and I was like okay well I've always really liked you know I've always liked the cartoons like the shows let me go check it out and then I went to the store and I remember getting um getting into civil war mm -hmm. and that was the very first thing i think that kind of like i always had kind of read stuff that my brother had kind of had bought here and there um but i never really purchased anything like myself necessarily and he was like you have to read civil war and so i went and i got civil war and um I was, that was the one i was like oh i have to find out what happens mm -hmm. next you dude know? that book it was so intense that book is like i I think by numbers the most successful crossover of all yeah. time, and it is it is the thing that started events like yes. being pushed out as a machine. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that there's a lot of people that would sort of say like that's the thing that got them committed. Like I think mm -hmm. that Civil War is a really actually yeah. important part of comic and history. A lot of those people are 15 or 20 years older than you, <laughs> like because that that was a pretty old comic even. Well, what year no, is it? No, I think it came like, out in like 2002, no. 2008, 2006. Because I graduated in 2007. I'm sorry, I I'm thinking of Secret War. No, you're th yeah. Secret say... War was Secret Wars was that because Secret was maybe early after 80s. it though. No, Secret no, War. Secret, oh, sorry. Secret, I thought was Secret War was before that. Yeah, sorry. Secret War. Secret yeah. Invasion was right after yeah, yeah, Civil and Secret War. Secret Invasion was I thought you just sorry, meant. So. So tell me about the Transformers and their energon. He and can't talk about certain things. It sounds like a dumbass. That's the root of that joke. Um, but yeah, Civil War is like. It's it's a big thing. Like I think yeah. that mm -hmm. Marvel almost went bankrupt in 2000, mm -hmm. and I think that there was a, a gradual climb out of that. It started with like the Ultimate Universe and Marvel, like and Max. But I think that the big moment that it's like, I think the climax of that whole recession to to, you know, a big moment was was Civil War. Is like the highest thing to you know garner comic books, and then the Marvel movies started coming out. Yeah, Civil War is like. Kind of the highest point that comics reached pre-movies. And that was, that was right about when I was, yeah, in high school and right about when I kind of got back into comics. My, like I said, my brother, he was like, oh, read, you should read this and read this. And so I was kind of reading random things here and there, random old stuff, random current stuff. And then it was it was Civil War was the first thing that I purposely nice. myself went Civil out and Civil War is, that's when I started reading Marvel like Marvel superhero stuff, Marvel Universe stuff. Don't let him convince you that he reads Marvel comics. And then just from there, it's history, man. Yeah. Um, just from there, just, yeah, started. I, I think the next one I read was, because um, we all know I'm a big Image fan, so it was also uh, Walking Dead. So yeah. it was Civil War and Walking Dead were the two that in high school that I was mostly reading. That's a probably kind of nihilistic time in your life. Mm. Like, you know, like Walking Dead, 
very gray, not even just because it's a black and white comic. Yeah. And then Civil War, very morally gray. You yeah. must have been into some like Nine Inch Nails nihilism shit. <laughs> that, maybe I'm just projecting. That's I where I was at that time. Not, no comment. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I now, plead Sarah, the fifth on that. listen, we're going to give Django is going to do his buckshot, and that will be all of the information that you will have on what a buckshot is, except okay. for all of the episodes of the podcast I'm sure you've listened to. I've, I've listened to a few of them. Um, yeah. So we're going to give Django 90 seconds, oh, but not shots. yet, jerk. Um, I miss buckshots. Yeah, you, you always push for the buckshot. I love them. I love them too. High pressure. High pressure. Howdy, pressure. Um, you've got 90 seconds when I say go. What are you going to say, go? He, he said go I already. Said go, oh, man. shit. You, you uh, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number seven. Steve Lieber. Steve Lieber and uh, Matt Fraction. Um, this this was another really good issue. Lots of, lots of disparate stories and... Some things that really confused me, but that I thought were hilarious. Uh, anyway, I'm I'm curious to see how some of these stories collide into other ones. They definitely, when they go to Opal City, it's definitely the Seattle Convention that is Center. Super the that's um, amazing. I read Dead Eyes number four, as we oh. mentioned before. Unless Jeff cut it out, there's a super funny uh, cover with uh, <laughs> forced perspective. There's a great fight scene involving uh, a saw and a guy's fingers, and this this book just has a lot of heart, and I can't wait to just keep reading it. I, I hope it goes forever. It reminds me a little bit of Hitman and a little bit of The Punisher. Just really solid stuff. I read Second Coming uh, by Mark Russell, and uh, this was the last issue. The The joke that I missed that had been happening through the whole series is every time God leaves a scene, he says, I got to scoot. And he's always <laughs> trying to get out of social situations. It was super funny and, uh, as always, insightful with... Uh, with Mark Russell on it. And there's a scene where uh, where the, the good guy fights a bunch of apes by bringing them a, like a dinner platter, a fruit tray that's full of bees. And he just sicks all the bees on these apes. It was, uh, I don't know. It's, it's like that Mark Russell thing where you're like, all right, we're gearing up for a fight. And then they win with some just totally out of left field dumb trick a dingo move is what a they dingo call it in mark russell comics a dingo move a dingo move hey you think he named that hey a dingo hey move. Dingo this move. is totally out of nowhere but i just want will you guys tell me anything uh, sam and i were driving home today who's salmon um, salmon my partner um and have you guys heard of bab yoda no baby yoda say, say it say spell the word bab and then say yoda B A B Yoda. B A B Yoda. Doesn't that say it out loud? Say it. B A B Yoda. B A B Yoda. Is this an Abe Vagoda joke again? No, you it's have just, to stop telling those, Abe Vagoda jokes. It was jokes. one of those moments where I got like B A B Yoda, and we, we, we just like spent like eight minutes saying it out loud in different ways, like very into B A B Yoda. I'm glad you're not a little bit older, or you would have been fascinated. You would have been fascinated by B A Baracus. No, 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 no. It's just that. B-A-B, and then Y is the letter that needs to be there, but the second word starts with Y, and then it sounds like B-A-B-Yoda. <laughs> like, it's, it's uh, listen, if you all just thought that was a total waste of your time, it, it, I'm not saying it wasn't, but please say it out loud. A lot. A couple of times. B-A-B-Yoda. B-A-B, it almost sounds like the word Baby Yoda, but B-A-B-Yoda. it's spelled. B-A-B-Yoda. You could do it with B-A-B-Yogurt. You know, if other, sure. it's, whether it's Baby Yoda or B-A-B-Yoda, either way, 
Still it cute. has my heart, so yeah. it's fine. Okay, cool. So that phrase has your heart. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, it's fine. It Sarah, makes me feel like I have Jeff. a womb that's that crying was, for baby That Yoda. was all the introduction you got. You're being thrown to the fire. 90 seconds, go. Oh, okay. So uh, another one I read was Lolo Woods, number two. Um, I really liked it a lot. I thought that it was almost felt like if you like anything to do with Stephen King's It, it kind of had oh, that kind of mm-hmm. feel with like this town that people are like they get sucked into this weird um like abyss thing and they like like oh they died for the town and i don't know and it was just like really creepy but um really interesting and there's kind of like this this um like uh denial that people in town seem to have that i thought was very similar to to it so uh, yeah and the art is also really cool so that was a good one uh skull digger skeleton boy um number two uh lots of number twos this week um yeah i also really liked that one i liked the um the way like with the color scheme and it was just very like like blocky you know if if that makes sense like there is is very like primary colors and um i just the story is really interesting Ooh, hmm. i like that double page spread oh yeah yeah and uh i'm really interested to see where this one goes uh i liked the villain a lot he was this creepy purple guy so some great art in there yeah yeah i liked his his he kind of freaked me out his, his teeth and his eyes and his ears i'm like what happened to you so interested with that one and then ruins of ravencroft Sabretooth was it was good. It was okay. Sarah! <laughs> Buckshot! Great inaugural Buckshot! Uh, look at those levels. Those are what claps look like. Oh, Buckshot thank you. Jackson. Thank you. That was super good. What I didn't give uh, the time beforehand, because I'm, I'm just all about that spook factor. Mm. Um, Django. I would have nor- we normally would have given scores about our books. Yeah, you were busy saying B A B O D A B A B O D A. I know A B O D A B O D A. B O D A. I know who A B O D A is. He's in Good Burger. A B O D A. Gabe A B O D A. He's in Good Burger. He's in Good Burger. Welcome to Good Burger. Home of the Good Burger. I'm A B O D A. I'm B A B O D A. You want scores from me or what? Yeah. What were your scores? Are we doing that this week? God, Django. Let's see. My score for what was the first one? I don't know. Uh, my score for Dead Eyes, I would give that an eight. My score for Second Coming, I'll score the issue a seven. Not my favorite issue of the series, uh, but since it's the last issue, I'm going to give the series an eight. It's uh, you know Mark Russell. Or no, this is this is number six. Mark Russell belongs in our religion and politics section in the store, which we'll have pretty soon. I... <laughs> you should have seen Jeff swallow hard when he thought I was going to chant. Uh, is it the final issue of it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and there was the, what was the other one I talked about? Mm-hmm. There was one other. Sarah, what was your what were your scores? God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> um, I would probably say uh, an eight for Lolo Woods. Number two, I would say seven for Skull Digger, Skeleton Boy, and Ruins of Ravencro- Ravencroft that I spent such a super long time talking about in very. <laughs> Classic buckshot. Classic buckshot. Um, I mean, it was fun. I mean, I it wasn't like anything crazy special, but it was fun. It was creepy. I'd probably give it like a six point five. Okay. Jimmy Olsen, seven and a half. Abe Vigoda. Abe Vigoda. Baby Yoda. <laughs> Baby Yoda. Jeff. It's a cultural phenomenon. Abe. Abe Yoda. Abe Vigoda. Abe Vigoda. He was A-B- the guy that he was the old guy in ba- uh, Good Burger. Oh yeah, in Good Burger. Yeah. Uh, fish. 
Jeff, go. Killer fish bit. Um, flash forward number five by oh Scott Waddell. This is a thing that's happening still, and there's one issue left, and it's just basically flirting with Wally West around the Moebius chair. And I'm very into him being a character that's been removed from continuity and lives on the Mobius chair. That's a really cool idea. I love it. I love a Mobius chair, I guess, is the ultimate thing there. Uh, like Sarah said, ruin, Ruins of Ravencroft. Yeah. Better than I thought it would be. Yeah. It, like, it's interesting fun. kind of story about the history of an, like, an insane asylum. I question the alternate history of a Captain America a character existing yeah. way early on in 1783. Yeah. Not super legit, but... Legacy. Legacy. I love it. Um, Batman's Grave. I have like a coming to Jack Kirby moment in Batman's Grave. Django, you look at me when I say this. <laughs> I had a moment while reading this, and I thought, okay, Brian Hitch... Uh huh. An artist that, like, outside of his Ultimates work, I'm not fond of. And it's very fine for an artist who's not going to have text in a fight scene. I think it conveys sure. what it needs to convey. And I don't like it very much, but I think it's very good at what it does. Archie and Katie Keen, number one, or Archie, number 710. This one is written by Mariko Tamaki. Um, this one didn't blow me away, but it does do a it's very heavy Riverdale vibe, less the Archie series. It's got, but it also still is very Archie, like a new person in town. It's very popular, small town, excited for the mystery of solving it. That was the end of my buckshot. Oh, you're good at that. You're Thank like, you. Django's actually better at it, and the person who's the home, best, probably? Brayden. Oh. The person who's the best at recapping a comic for a minute and thirty seconds. Roman. Roman. Roman will spend accidentally his whole buckshot just recapping a comic because he recorded Infinity content the other day yeah. and they do page by page summaries of the comic. So he's like, "Oh fuck, I used the whole thing doing two thirds of an issue." Okay, before we get your scores, yes, B- can B- I say B- can yeah. I say two things about yeah. your uh, three things? Yeah. Uh, flash forward. Great cover. Great cover. It just flipping through it, it suffers from a thing that drives me nuts, which is more text boxes than word balloons. That's a deal breaker for me. I hate it. I hadn't occurred to me that that's a thing, but actually, I, you're right. That's all over here. This text, and I can see how that could be a thing. I don't. Yeah. I I try. I don't like to read them, so I miss a lot because they put super important stuff in there in the most boring way. I think last week or the week before it, we had the problem of like confusing numbers of text boxes. There was like three narrators in a series or something. Probably. And they, but anyway, yeah, yeah, the text box is is dangerous. Yeah. Um. And then the Brian Hitch thing. He did a better job with that issue, like with the fight scene, than I would have expected. But I would like a little bit of depth of field in his drawings. It's there, like Batman is punching on the same plane that he's kicking on the same and plane that the other guy's falling. All out of, of a his work is him. so flat. Yeah, it's all so flat. Yeah, but maybe he maybe he only has one eye. There's just a weird amount. Like I've been vocally vocally anti Brian Hitch for quite a while, and it was just weird to be like, okay. I'm kind of glad he's drawing this. I didn't like that issue. I know. It's it's four issues into a 12-issue Warren Ellis Batman series. So I think that it's kind of where I would project it to be. Yeah, it. I guess it, it feels... This issue made me realize that this is probably being written for the trade. 
Yeah, I think that right. I think this this was probably greenlit and started writing right before Bat, like the Black Label stuff became very big, mm-hmm. and probably around the same time that they were talking about taking Tom King off of the Batman book because we need more Batman books that feel like perennial evergreen Batman things yeah. and not psychoanalyses of the character. So this to me is DC's attempt at being like we can put out classically timeless Batman stories even while doing a book that's a psychoanalysis of the character. And I think that's what it is. I think it's meant to be a 12-issue Long Halloween that you give to somebody. It doesn't track art-wise as good as Long Halloween or Hush or, you know, the the writing isn't as good as that. But um, what do you give your what do you give your books? I would give Flash Forward like a 5.5. Yeah. But the art is fun to look at. And the subject matter is good. I just don't think it's super well done. I love the Mobius chair. I don't care about the Flash. I don't yeah. like cosmic shit, which just kind of feels like. I have a really hard time with the the, the main yellow dude. What's his name? Reverse the, Flash? No, no, the the cosmic being that's talking yeah, the whole fucking so time. Yeah, so the Tempest Fugionaut, oh, that's kind I hate, of... I even ate his name. Well, that's kind <laughs> of one of the things I love about it is, like, this fucking character came up out of nowhere. We created this character to justify Scott Snyder's, like, metal universe, of which I think yeah. has been beaten to death. And yet, we're we're threading him through many books at this point that are trying to convince everyone that he's this important character that's the arbiter of dividing the light multiverse from the dark multiverse, and it's, like, bullshit, and Ugh. that's kind of what I like about it is it's it's transparently bullshit. Like you just created this character and he's only present in some things and it feels undeniably comic booky to me. So now I've just been sort of that's kind of the main reason I'm tracking these is like what is this Tempest Fugionauts? Like what is his steez? Am I just reading his word his words in the wrong tone of voice? Like I, think I read them in my voice. Do I need to read them like this? I think it's you that definitely that before reading in your own voice, but also maybe, maybe not even reading his words. Maybe just I tried just that for the other the three issues. Just, just like this book can be read <laughs> without words. <laughs> I like it really. And then like you could read four pages of that issue and very good. Uh, not very good book, but you would have done a very you good would. job of getting it out of it. <laughs> Congratulations, you've done enough. Ruben, Ruins of Ravencroft, I would give a 6.5. The art was yeah. better than I thought, and I'd read it mostly because Django it's, seemed impressed by it. Especially at the end. I felt like the end of, of the book with the art was... The flashback art. Yeah, the, kinda, the yeah, the Fornes flashback, like the, stuff. the creepy older stuff. Was I would almost good. describe it as like a nothing event, this Ruins yeah, of Ravencroft. Yeah, it was just kind of... But it's a pretty good nothing event, like... The amount of time you spend with the journal entry of the person making it who's in denial mm-hmm. about all the yeah. horrible shit that's happening. One thing, yeah, I feel like with comics, it's like a lot of times there's there's the ones that are like the, the, the stories that are really, you know, that in depth that you really care uh-huh. about and that are like really meaningful. Rich and rewarding. And, rich. and then some of them are just kind of fun and oh, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes like, you go get chicken with Justin and it's delicious. And then sometimes you go over to JJ's and you buy a, you buy a Kit Kat from Tegan and then you, you eat it. You and it's, enjoy both. Yeah, I give that one a six, seven, yeah. Yeah. seven, six solid seven. Five. Batman's Grave, I would give... A 6.5 or a 7. Um, like, it is exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's pretty transparent. And then Archie and Katie Keene, uh, 7, 10, or number one of four, I would give a 6. I think Mariko Tamaki is a really great writer. And it sounds like, and I haven't read some of the things that Jenga was read, but I think the beginnings of her stories can maybe take a minute to, like, ramp up. Mm-hmm. Like, it sounds like there's groundwork that goes into character building and then 
that allows for a character arc to have happened. Did she write, Laura, Dean keeps yeah. breaking up with me? Yeah, that and, definitely happened with me on that one. All right, well, so that was it. We did it. 163 episodes <laughs> in. Sarah's on board now. She's She's gone through the onboarding process, which is what they referred to training at Barnes & Noble as, and I hated that. And oh. also when you're getting on a flight. Onboarding. I think. Do we have an onboarding process here? You, you've said it about here at the store. Dude, the onboarding process here has to be one of the weirdest ones where we just throw you to the wolves for a yeah. month and a half and then do like the people that can survive survive and the people that don't get fired (laughs) and uh, i'm sorry there's no in between sarah do you want to record your uh two-month review uh, for the podcast (laughs) let's do that let's do it for our a first papcast presents your two-month review of the comic shop your as an employee employee review as an employee your your employee (laughs) review Sarah, we need you to get the name of the place straight first. Of all. You're doing a great job. <laughs> I already but, explained uh, it to you comics guys. Place. Comics place, not comic shop. Um, that's the, a joke. We would never do that. Place, we're responsible. That would be so awful. The area where I purchase comics. Exactly, yeah. and work as well. And also work and do podcasts. Um, but I guess that does it. You can always get a hold of us at one. Jana did a great job of advertising the last time, but we would love to get some more voicemails. We had a. I can't remember if it's a dearth or a boon of them. But a we gath. Had, uh, we had a gath and a dearth. We had a lot of them at one point, and we haven't gotten a ton <laughs> lately, but we would love some voicemails because we love answering those. You can get a hold of us at 1-619-663-7336. That's how you call us, or you can email us at info at thecomicsplace.com with a written question. Sarah. Well, I was going to ask you if it was okay if I talked really briefly please, about the blog stuff please. and yeah. also the Geek Girl Day possible. And this is like really briefly, and if you hate it, you get can, the blog you can edit on it there. Out. Get the blog on there, and then let's give concrete uh, information about the Geek Girl Night as soon as we okay, have like dates and times. Okay, we had a little meeting today. Yeah. So cool. I was going to say if I could be cool if I could talk. Get the blog on there. Get the blog on there. No one's going to hate it. No one's going to hate it. So. Just a really quick thing I wanted to talk about was um, I do have a blog I'm doing with some friends of mine, and it's called The Geek She Lives. And it's a blog with me and three of uh, my other friends, and we just kind of write about um, any sort of passion or hobby that we have. So for me, it's comic books, or you know, for my friend Nikki, it's video games, or it could be for Stacy, it's tabletop gaming. Um, for Emily, it's you know, self care and photography. And we kind of have this idea of um your your geek is your passion so it, it's it's made specifically like for women and by women and the people here have been super supportive of it and we are going to be doing um in the future uh hopefully within the next few months here a geek girl day at the comic shop um hosted by the geek she lives and where we're just going to maybe have some local female artists and writers, um, you know, creators here and uh, have uh, us here maybe doing some sort of workshops. Um, so just kind of be on the lookout for that. And Is it uh, thegeekshelives.com? Yeah, what's the URL? It's, uh, yep, the geek. Uh, the geek. <laughs> Baba Yoda. No. Baba <laughs> Yoda. Yeah. Uh, it's thegeekshelives.com. And um, we have uh, some content up, and we're just going to we're gonna be putting a lot more content out in the future. It's so. super well put together. It looks really, really good. Um, and everyone should check out the website, which is one more time thegeekshelives.com. Uh, and Not babyoda.com. <laughs> there is a whole webpage about it on their, their website. Um, um, is it is it just you you four? It's just it? us four, and we do everything. We do the writing, we do the photography, we do the we do everything for it. And it's just kind of it's our passion project right now, and it's um, 
anything you can kind of think of as far as uh, any sort of nerdy uh, or hobby lifestyle? I mean, I, we have articles up there about like skincare, about um, comics, about video games, about D&D, just kind of whatever we, we are feeling like writing about. Do us a favor and go leave us a review on YouTube. I found this out the other day. Everyone, listen to this. Listening to another podcast, I found out that Please. Apple Podcasts gives you a lot more weight in search results when you hit 50 reviews. And I don't know what we have right now, but I think it's like five. So if you could go review it, I don't like give us one, one, one star if you hate our podcast, but give it to us so that we, we need can get, a written review. We, yeah, just just go give give us a couple stars and and write a review and. It would it would make me so happy to have 50 reviews on there, and I think that that might push us over the edge of being able to get some bigger special guests on here and just like a little more, a little so more clout, which opens us up. A 50 lot. reviews, Sarah. Can you sick the geek she live uh, patrons on that? Oh yeah. Uh, let's just say, hey everybody, use your clout to get some reviews for us. We'll use this yeah. clout to get people on that we'll website. We'll create a symbiotic relationship. It's a mutual thing. Absolutely. Going on. Absolutely. And we'll yeah. clout. B-A-B-O-D-A. Um, so <laughs> thanks, everybody. Uh, that was 163. Thank you so much for being on, Sarah. Yes, thanks Everyone for having me. I'm so more. happy I'm so happy to be on the team. Thanks for having me. Oh, here, yeah. No, so. th- thank you for being a part of the team as well. You're killing it. Killing it. Uh, I'm Jeff, and you're all welcome from that B-A-B-O-D-A thing. I'm Django, and B-A-B-O-B-O-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-